conclude Scottish questions and before we commence Prime Minister's questions, I'd like to point out, as ever, that live subtitles and a British Sign Language interpretation of proceedings are available to watch on ParliamentLive.tv. That's very kind of people to say shh and to be a little bit quiet. I am aware that only those watching the British Sign Language interpretation will be able to hear what I was saying. <laughs> uh, we now come to questions to the Prime Minister, Sir Bill Wigan. Question number one. Well, Deputy Prime Minister. Madam Deputy Speaker, I've been asked to reply on behalf of my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, who is attending the funeral of Baroness Betty Boothroyd. I'm sure the whole House would want to join me in paying tribute to Baroness Boothroyd, the first female Speaker of the House, and our thoughts and prayers are with her family. I'm sure the whole House does join in sending our thoughts and prayers about Baroness Boothroyd, whom we all held in very high esteem. Sir Bill Wigan. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. Phosphates leaching into the River Wye could be stopped (coughs) by proven phosphate stripping technology attached to anaerobic digesters. But Herefordshire Council's bypass-hating Green and Independent Group won't support or engage despite a moratorium on house building. What can he do to save our river and remove the council from such a vital, strategic and environmental responsibility. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. The River Wye obviously is of huge importance to nature. Uh, We're taking action to tackle pollution and raise farming standards. He'll know about the Environment Agency's uh, farm inspection capacity and catchment sensitive farming advice programme. Uh, and I defer to his technical knowledge in this area. Uh, I'm sure he'll want to make submissions to the local authority. Deputy Leader of the Opposition, Angela Rayner. Madam Deputy Speaker, and welcome back into the chair. And can I share the Deputy Prime Minister's words on our Baroness and our thoughts with her family today? And I'm sure the whole house will join me also in paying tribute to Paul O'Grady after his sad death was announced today. He was a national treasure and a true Northern star, and he will be greatly missed. Madam Deputy Speaker, this week the government announced their so-called anti-social behaviour policy. It's only taken 13 years. And look, I'll give him some credit. The Deputy Prime Minister knows firsthand the misery caused by thugs and their intimidating behaviour, lurking with menace, exploding in fits of rage, creating a culture of fear, and maybe even, I don't know, throwing things. So can I ask him, under his new anti-social behaviour, does he think more bullies will be brought to justice? Madam Deputy Speaker, I can reassure the House I've never called anyone scum. Honourable Lady is serious 
about standing up for communities and people who suffer at the scourge of antisocial behaviour should back our plan to deal more swiftly uh, with these issues, to make sure that we ban drugs beyond the conventional ones, give police the powers they need, and if they really, if they really want to protect the public, they'll back our plans for parole reform to make sure the murderers, the terrorists, the child killers are not allowed out free to, to threaten other people and reintroduce the ministerial veto that that side took away. Speaker, I'd like to see the ministerial code being introduced under day two on that side of the House because it's not just his department where antisocial behaviour is running out of control, it's happening across the country. Police officers disappearing from our streets, replaced by criminals, plaguing our towns and leaving people feeling unsafe. The truth is that the Conservatives are missing in action in the fight against crime. So can he tell his constituents and the public why, after 13 years of his party in government, there are now 6,000 fewer neighbourhood police officers on Britain's streets? Madam Deputy Speaker, she really does have a brass neck because they voted against our funding of police recruitment and the 20,000 extra police officers. But what I will tell her and the whole House is crime is lower than it was under the last Labour government. Violent crime is halved, reoffending is seven percentage points lower, and if she really wants to stand up for the public and the victims of crime, they should back our bill to protect victims and protect the most vulnerable from serious, kill- serious killers, rapists, and terrorists. Mr Speaker, no one believes that there's more police on the streets and no one feels safer. Neighbourhood policing has gone down and not up. Let's talk about crime. He knows, as well as I do, that neighbourhood police can help prevent antisocial behaviour and knife crime. But trusted local police are also crucial to protecting women. Women feel unsafe on Britain's streets, always looking over our shoulder as we hurry to our front door. So can he tell me, under his watch as Justice Secretary, what is the charge rate for rape? Can I address all of those elements of that? And first of all say that the issue of rape and serious sexual violence against women is one of our top priorities. She She asked what we're doing about it. Since 2019, police referrals of cases are doubled. CPS charges have doubled. She asked, she asked on my watch what has happened. The volume of convictions in rape cases increased by two-thirds. And if she really wants to protect vulnerable women, whether it's rapists uh, or from rapists or other serious crimes, they will back our parole reforms, which will mean ministers able to prevent uh, them being released onto the public and cause more threats. He says that rape conviction has gone up. What he really means is that 300 women will be raped today while he boasts about an increase of 0.5%. He hasn't answered my question, Madam Deputy Speaker, because he's too ashamed of the answer. 1.6% of rapists face being charged for their crime. 1.6%. Let that sink in. A woman goes through the worst experience of her life. She summons up the courage to relive that horrendous experience, to tell the police in detail about her assault. But she only has a 1.6% chance 
of action being taken. Over 98% of rapists will never see the inside of a courtroom, let alone a prison. And the rest of those brave women, Madam Deputy Speaker, they keep looking over their shoulders and hope the perpetrator doesn't choose tonight to take their revenge for reporting the incident to the police. In the last 13 years of the Tory government, more than half a million cases of rape have been recorded by the police. But the charge rate for those attacks have collapsed. He has served under five Tory Prime Ministers and had three years as Justice Minister. And on his watch, rapists are left to roam the streets. So will he apologise to those victims who will never get justice because of his failures? Yeah. I first of all say to the Right Honourable Lady, the conviction rate measured by the CPS, the leader of the Labour Party used to be in charge of the CPS, he might want to point this out, well actually the, the, the conviction rate has gone up, it is now at 69%. We are doing much more to support the victims of rape when they come forward. Well, they're talking a good game. In fact, we have quadrupled funding for victims since 2010. And if she looks at the latest data, the time it's taken from charge to completion of a rape case has come down by, come, come down by 10 weeks or 70% in the last three months alone. She should get her facts straight, particularly when talking about such a sensitive issue. Madam Deputy Speaker, he won't apologise for the government failures on charge rates and 69% of 1.6%. Is that really something to boast about? Let me ask him about an issue which is directly his responsibility. On his watch, rape survivors are waiting on average more than three years for their cases to come to court. The Honourable Member talked about 10-week reduction. Three years, Deputy. Uh, Deputy Leader, three years, the so ten weeks is not anything to boast about. Exactly. The, those three years from the day of the assault to the final day of court, is it any wonder that from April till September last year, 175 trials for rape and other serious sexual offences have had to be dropped because the victim could no longer cope with the delay? Yeah. So let me ask him, when will he apologise to all those women denied justice because of his failure to keep to sort the court backlog? Well, she ignores the impact on the court backlog of the pandemic or indeed the CBA strike. But let me tell her what we're doing. Let me tell her what we're doing. We've quadrupled funding for victims since 2010, quadrupled the funding provided by the last Labour government. We launched the 24-7 support line so that when those victims of that appalling crime come forward, they get the support they need. We've increased the number of independent sexual violence advisers uh, to over 1,000, uh, and we're making sure that women uh, that suffer this appalling crime can give pre-recorded uh, evidence in court. We're doing everything that we can, and as I said, uh, the, the rates are coming down, uh, and we will keep uh, uh, taking action in this area. Is she really, if the Labour Party were really serious about this, they wouldn't have voted against longer sentences for dangerous, violent and sexual offenders in the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Act, and she would get behind our Victims and Prisoner Bill today. Madam Deputy Speaker, not a word of apology, no sense of responsibility and not even a shred of shame. 
the reality is, while people in Britain feel more and more unsafe, he seems to spend all of his time trying to save his own job and none of his time on his actual job. And it's not just me that thinks so. The Prime Minister clearly doesn't trust him to deal with antisocial behaviour because he's given that job to the levelling-up secretary. <laughs> the way things are going, and reports are to be believed, this might be your last PMQs. So let's look at the highlights. A criminal justice on its knees. The largest court backlog on record. Rape victims waiting for justice. And through it all, he managed to wrap up 24 formal complaints from his own civil servants. So can he say today, will he walk before he's pushed? Madam Deputy Speaker, one thing never changes. She always comes with the usual bluster and political opportunism. Let me... Let me tell the right honourable lady what we've been doing, what I've been doing this week. We've delivered new legislation to support the victims of crime, including rape, and to protect the public. We've delivered a plan to stamp out antisocial behaviour, and we've supported families with their energy bills. What's she done? What have the Labour front bench done? They tried to block our small boats bill, and that's the difference between them and us. We deliver for Britain. She likes to play her political games. Deputy Speaker, and it is wonderful to see you in your place. As my right honourable friend will be aware, uh, the Thames Freeport was recently given the final go-ahead to become fully operational, creating thousands of jobs and attracting millions in inward investment. Will my right honourable friend join me in congratulating the team behind the bid and encourage businesses and investors from across the South East, indeed across the world, to take a closer look at the fantastic opportunities that exist in Thurrock and will he work with local education providers to ensure my constituents have the skills needed to take up these fantastic opportunities? Can I thank my honourable friend? Uh, I certainly do uh, support and pay tribute to all of those who have made the new Thames Freeport uh, possible with its uh, potential to deliver over 12,000 new jobs. Uh, I look forward to seeing the local community and the wider communities benefit from the tax benefits, the custom zones, and we'll see how these plans progress. Uh, and again, uh, I think it's good news to see the communities in Basildon and Thurrock taking full advantage of the Brexit opportunities. Deputy Leader of the SNP, Murray Black. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker, and I also wish to send my warm regards to the family of Paul Grady, the legendary drag queen, for all he's done for my community. I also want to congratulate Hamza Youssef as he becomes yeah. first of Scotland. As the, as the first Scots Asian and Muslim to hold such an office, I'm sure the whole House will send his warm regards. Now, in recent days, video footage has emerged of the former Chancellor and the former Chair of the 1922 Committee offering their services for £60,000 on top of their MP's salary. The former Health Secretary offered his wisdom for £10,000 a day. Can I ask the Deputy Prime Minister, when he is inevitably booted out of office, what will his going rate be? Can I... Can I welcome her to uh, the, the chamber? Uh, the, system of, the system of declarations 
is there to ensure transparency and accountability. And of course, the Conservatives backed tightening up those rules uh, to make sure that there couldn't be any lobbying. Uh, but can I also join with, uh, uh, except to take her up on her uh, tribute to the, first, uh, the new First Minister of Scotland. The Prime Minister spoke to him last night. Uh, we welcome him to his place. And of course, the government will want to work constructively with him in the best interests of the people of Scotland. Mary Black. During a cost of living crisis, as his colleagues eye up barrels of cash from fake companies, yep. <laughs> it's the people across these aisles that are being led by donkeys and yes. they're sitting on now, the former Health Secretary also said that he would impart his wisdom for £1,500 an hour. Most nurses earn little above £15 an hour. Who does the Deputy Prime Minister think is best value for money and for the public? Well, I'm, I'm delighted that the majority of the health unions have accepted uh, the pay settlement. We, we, we think that that's absolutely, uh, we think that that's absolutely right. And she, she raises the issue, uh, and of course we've, uh, we've uh, worked with on a cross-party basis to curb the limits on second earnings. I, I, I notice the benches on this side uh, are, are curiously quiet. Is that because? There's ten shadow cabinet members on their benches uh, who are taking earnings. In particular, the shadow foreign secretary looks like he, he certainly doesn't want to be uh, under the limelight. He's got earned second earnings from 40 different sources. I, I don't think uh, uh, they can talk about it. And uh, as far as the honourable lady is concerned, we've done everything we can to make sure there's transparency and accountability. Jack Burton. Thank you, Madam Deputy it's, it's very good to see you back in this place. Uh, Stoke-on-Trent has been announced as one of the levelling up partnerships, and this is on top of the investment we've already received through programmes like the Levelling Up Fund. And this has been delivered thanks to Conservatives working together in government and on the City Council, led by the formidable councillor. Abby Brown. Yeah. So, would my right and more friend agree with me? If people want to continue to see the levelling up of opportunities in Stoke on Trent, they should vote Conservative yeah. in the local elections in May. Well, uh, my honourable friend is absolutely right. And after years of neglect under Labour, it's now the Conservatives, in no small part thanks to my honourable friend, who have been levelling up in Stoke on Trent. £11 million from the Shared Prosperity Fund, £12 million from the Leveling Up Fund, £4 million from the Regional Growth Fund, and that's supporting over 500 jobs and £28 million of private investment. That's the difference for the people of Stoke under a Conservative government. Sir Geoffrey Donaldson. Thank you, uh, Madam Deputy Speaker. Yesterday, the Secretary of State uh, told uh, us that the uh, security service, MI5, have increased the terrorism threat level in Northern Ireland to severe. Responsibility for dealing with terrorism and national security rests with the Government of the United Kingdom, including in Northern Ireland. Will the Deputy Prime Minister assure me and the people of Northern Ireland that the Government will provide the Police Service of Northern Ireland and the Security Service with the resources that they need to counter this serious terrorist threat? Deputy Prime Minister. Can I thank uh, uh, the Honourable Gentleman? He's absolutely right. Of course, the threat level is 
kept under constant review. We take into account a range of factors. He'll be very familiar with those. It's disappointing uh, that the threat level has gone up, but I think it is worth also saying that it has been in significant decline in terms of the number of uh, uh, Northern Ireland-related terrorist attacks and attempted attacks since the peak of the violence in 2009-2010. Nonetheless, of course, we will make sure all the resources available to the PSNI and the public are reminded to remain vigilant and report any suspicious behaviour activity. James Grundy. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. In my recent local survey as to whether Lee should break away from Wigan Council, I am very pleased to say that so far the survey shows 90% in favour with only 3% opposed. Please, I mean, before you call for a second referendum, let me finish the question. Does my right honourable friend agree? that in the 50th year of our campaign for our town's independence, that this is the year to get Lexit done. Yeah! My honourable friend campaigns as, uh, with typical gusto. Um, I think he knows that changing the boundaries at local authority level uh, is subject to an independent process, but I will ensure he gets a meeting with the Minister for Local Government so he can uh, further discuss the aspirations for Lake. Cat Smith. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Despite Royal Mail posting record profits, management are threatening to put it into administration. Uh, Can I ask what conversations government is having with Royal Mail and what it's doing to protect the Universal Postal Service? Deputy Prime Minister. It's an incredibly difficult time. Can I thank her for her question? Obviously, the pandemic has had a particular uh, impact, um, but we're working very closely uh, to make sure we can continue um, the service. And I'll make sure she gets a meeting with the relevant minister to discuss her concerns further. Mark Eastwood. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. On behalf of the people of Dewsbury, I would also like to pay tribute to Dewsbury's greatest daughter, Betty Boothrod. She was sorely missed. This week I visited Ravenhall School in Dewsbury and Hollybank School in Murfield. Both do amazing work teaching children with special educational needs and disabilities. However, there is disparity in SEND standards in mainstream schools within my constituency. Would my right honourable friend join me in thanking the teachers and staff at Ravenshall and Holly Bank for everything they do? And could he also outline how we can ensure all our children are given the best chance in life, regardless of which school they go to? Yeah. Can I thank uh, my honourable friend and pay tribute to the teachers and the staff at both schools, Ravenshall and Hollybank, for the amazing work they do. It's a very difficult and challenging job uh, and incredibly important for the life chances of those uh, children affected. He'll know that in March we published the Send an Alternative Provision Improvement Plan with new national standards, and that's backed up by uh, an increased specialist provision locally uh, with £2.6 billion going into it, and uh, that includes opening 33 new special schools with a further 49 in the pipeline. Douglas Chapman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the Prime Minister is absent. I hope he later gets a chance to watch the BBC dramatisation uh, The Brinks Mart Robbery, which was uh, held in the, the 1980s, where the police team assigned to the recovery of this gold only got back half of the gold that was stolen. That sum pales into in- insignificance compared with the measly 1% from the £1 billion of business grants that the, uh, was lost 
uh, to the fraud issued by, by the Prime Minister under his watch when he was Chancellor. The fingerprints show that this massive fraud now lies at 10 Downing Street. To quote your former fraud minister, Lord Bilton, when will this government, when will this government get us act together and step up the recovery efforts on behalf of the taxpayer? Yeah. Well, the, the, the instance of fraud have become much more complex with the online instance, but he will have noted the massive increase in funding for tackling fraud in the recent budget, and we're confident that will give us the resources we need to tackle uh, this uh, often invisible but very damaging crime. Sir Robert Neil. The Deputy Prime Minister will know that stroke is the greatest cause of adult disability in this country and costs uh, our economy some £26 billion, never mind destroying lives. Last year I met Dr John Stevens, who was unable even to sit up unaided after a stroke, but because of emergency thrombectomy procedure is now back at work as a GP in the NHS. Sadly, only 30% of eligible patients actually get thrombectomies. Will the, Prime, the Deputy Prime Minister agree that we need greatly to increase the rollout of thrombectomy procedures? And would he perhaps, in the run-up to World Thrombectomy Day next month, join me in visiting uh, a thrombectomy centre, see at first hand the difference it can make to lives and to getting people back into meaningful and uh, productive work <coughs> uh, and enjoyment? Yeah. Prime well, can I thank my uh, honourable friend? I, he's been a dedicated champion for stroke survivors. I know from my own constituency how debilitating that can be uh, and the impact it has on the wider families. NHS England are committed to increasing the delivery of mechanical thrombectomy, uh, including uh, the expansion of uh, local services and local capital investment. And I'm sure we can arrange for uh, a health minister to join him on a visit as he requests. Sir Olney. Thank you very much, Madam Deputy Speaker. In a shocking article in Surrey Live last year, it was reported that staff at a GP practice in Walton were left in tears and crumbling under pressure due to the increased workload caused by staff shortages. Is it any wonder when there are 850 fewer GPs across the country since 2019? So what does the Deputy Prime Minister say to those patients left in pain and staff left in tears, including in his own constituency, due to this government's failed promise to recruit more GPs? Well, can I say to her, any abuse against any GP in any practice uh, across the country is absolutely wrong. We have to have zero tolerance uh, of it. What I would just say to her is we've seen a, a large increase in GP appointments, over 29 million carried out since the start of the year. We're improving access to general practice with more support staff, also the technology, so more state-of-the-art telephone systems. The number of GPs in training is at record levels, and we're investing £1.5 billion to create 50 million more appointments a year by 2024. If we go a bit faster, we'll get everybody in. Scott Benton. Since 2019, this government has provided well over £300 million in extra funding for projects in Blackpool. However, there is always room for more. The Bond Street and Revel areas of my constituency are among the most deprived in the country and have been long forgotten by the Labour-led council. The government has already provided £600,000 in funding for a feasibility project with a view to delivering a £30 million regeneration package for these areas. Will the government look closely at the business case to see how this transformational project can be delivered for those communities? Yeah. Yeah. Order, 
before the Deputy Prime Minister answers that, can everyone else with a prepared question just cut it in half? Just do the question. Deputy Prime Minister. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. There is no one more tenacious in campaigning for Blackpool than the Honourable Gentleman. I've seen it firsthand when I visited with him. Uh, I'm pleased that we delivered with the Leveling Up Secretary the £40 million of funding to relocate the Magistrates' Court uh, and to allow um, the County Court complex to move. Uh, and I know that the Leveling Up Secretary will want to work with him on the regeneration aspirations for the future. Wendy Chamberlain. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. A little girl in my constituency, only nine years old, developed a bacterial infection just before Christmas, but thereafter very distressing symptoms occurred. OCD, she has uh, intrusive thoughts, she hasn't washed, dressed or properly eaten since Christmas. We believe this to be Pan's Panda, and although health has evolved and I am seeking support for her, part of the lottery and the antipsychotic medication that is often um, given in this condition, despite the fact that broad-based antibiotics have have been proven to work is because the UK, no part of the UK, has implemented World Health Organisation ICD-11. Will the government commit to looking at this so that other children across the UK don't need to suffer in such a way? Can I, can I thank the honourable lady for raising what seems like a, a very uh, an awful case, and my heart goes out to the family involved. If she'd like to write with me about it, I'll make sure she gets uh, a full answer and a, a meeting with the minister if that's required. Caroline Nooks. Georgia Harrison is an incredibly brave young woman who only got justice when she was a victim of revenge porn because she could prove that the perpetrator intended to cause her distress. Most victims can't, and perpetrators are using platforms to use revenge porn for financial gain. That's not covered in the legislation. Will my right honourable friend commit to looking at the case studies Georgia has compiled and reviewing this legislation to strengthen it and make it more effective? Can I thank the uh, uh, honourable lady, my honourable friend, my right honourable friend, for all that she's done in this area? I know that there have been a considerable number of changes to the online safety bill, not least because of her forensic attention to detail. They will include the creation of a new base offence of sharing intimate images without consent that don't require. Uh, proof of an intention to cause distress um, and of course the government also supports the revenge porn helpline which offers free and confidential advice if there are any further changes that she thinks need to be made very happy to look at them with her Sir Chris Bryant Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker I don't know whether the Deputy Prime Minister ever met Lily Savage um, or has ever spent a night out at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern but Lily was I can take him sometime if he wants to go um, the, um, but the, I think that was a yes, actually, yeah. But, the, um, but Lily was performing at the height of the AIDS crisis in 1987 um, when police officers raided the pub, arrested her, amongst others. Um, they were wearing rubber gloves because supposedly they were protecting themselves from contracting HIV from touching gay men. Lily amazingly said at the time, um, Oh, lads, you've come to do the washing up. That's great. <laughs> Um, her alter ego, Paul O'Grady, campaigned acerbically and hilariously for elderly people, for care workers, um, against oppression of every kind. Isn't it time we in this country celebrated our naughty, hilarious drag queens and comics yeah. of every kind who inspire us to be a better and more generous nation? Yeah. Yeah, I thank uh, the Honourable Gentleman. I totally agree with him. And uh, Paul Grayson was an uh, incredible comic, but he also... But, but Lily, but Paul O'Grady, 
But, Lily, but in terms of Lily Savage also, I think some of that comedy broke glass ceilings and broke uh, boundaries in a way that certainly politicians would struggle to do. So I agree with that. I also think it shows how we need uh, greater, more rambunctious free speech, and we need to avoid the wokery and the limitations on comedy, which I'm afraid both of them would have had no time for. Jane Caroline Dinage. Very much, uh, Madam Deputy Speaker, I'd like to associate myself with the words of the Honourable Gentleman from Rhonda. Paul O'Grady was a great champion for animal welfare as well. Um, Madam Deputy Speaker, ch- uh, the biggest cause of death for children in this country under the age of 14 is cancer. As she knows, I've been calling for a childhood cancer mission to radically change how we detect, how we treat and how we care for children with cancer. Everything from genome science for detection right the way through to seven-day-a-week play facilities in children's ward. The the Health Secretary has been brilliant, he's met with me and has been really positive on this. But will the Deputy Prime Minister uh, restate the Government's support for a childhood cancer mission? Yeah. Deputy Prime Minister. Uh, can I thank uh, my honourable friend? I certainly will. And, and uh, the suffering that any child uh, must go through when they get a condition like cancer at such an early age, difficult to believe, and the pressure on the families. Uh, incredible. So I, I thank her for her work. The DHSC will publish a major condition strategy to look at improving outcomes and experience for all cancer patients, but including in particular uh, children. Uh, I can't preempt uh, that, but I know it will draw on previous work, including submissions from the various childhood cancer charities. And again, I pay tribute to the work that they do. Stephanie Peacock. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. My six-year-old constituent Daniel has cerebral palsy and mitochondrial disease. He has received palliative care from the Blue Bellwood Children's Hospital, who were forced to temporarily close last year due to staffing pressures. They have ongoing concerns about rising bills. Will the Deputy Prime Minister reassure Daniel's family that he will receive the palliative care he requires as and when he needs it? Can I thank her for raising that uh, very important case uh, that she does? Uh, I don't know all the facts of it, but if she writes to me, I'm very happy to look at it. We will make sure um, the resourcing, but also the care uh, is there. And if, again, as I say, if she writes to me, I'm, I'm sure we can arrange for a meeting with the relevant minister. Wendy Morton. Madam Deputy Speaker, the inclusion of the West Midlands as a hotspot trailblazer police force area in the social, antisocial um, behaviour action plan is really good news. Could my right honourable friend outline, though, how communities such as those in my constituency on the periphery of the West Midlands will see and feel the positive difference that this will bring, and that we won't simply see a, a redirecting of our valuable resources by the Labour Police and Crime Commissioner into other parts of the West Midlands? Well, can I thank my right honourable friend? She raised a really important point. The Social Behaviour Action Plan will help us crack down uh, and make sure on, on antisocial behaviour and make sure that those responsible conduct and undergo repairs within 48 hours, things like uh, cleaning up litter and, and graffiti. In terms of the West Midlands uh, Enhanced Hotspot, I'm delighted they'll be getting that additional funding. Uh, it is, she's right, for the PCCs to, de- to, to determine the precise allocation of funding, but I'm sure she'll make her representations in the usual powerful way. Mary Glyndon. Thank you, Madam Deputy yeah. Speaker. Announcing her retirement, North Tyneside born Sarah Hunter, MBE, played her final game of rugby at the opening women's Six Nations match at Kingston Park last Saturday. Sarah is the most capped international rugby player in the world, a true professional, great ambassador for her sport, and an inspiration to so many. 
Will the Deputy Prime Minister join with me, the whole of North Tyneside and this House, in thanking Sarah for all she has achieved for the country and her beloved fort of rugby? Yeah. Can I, can, I, can I thank the Honourable Lady? She's absolutely right. I pay tribute to the trailblazing record of Sarah. I had the opportunity a few years ago to watch the England female rugby team. I was blown away, uh, and we look forward to her and them going on to bigger and better things. Richard Fuller. Madam Deputy Speaker, oh, oh, shush. Uh, will the government require that the East West Rail Company publish a full business case before the allocation of any more taxpayers' money to the project. Deputy Prime Minister. Thank you. It's a hugely important project with all sorts of opportunities, jobs, education, uh, and uh, a projected increase in economic output by over 100 billion by 2050. He's right that it needs all the transparency uh, and scrutiny. Uh, I know that the first stage of the project is already uh, in construction, on time and under budget. I'm told that the subsequent stages will go through full scrutiny as part of the planning process in a transparent way. David Linder. Prime Minister has previously been on camera as saying that he didn't have any working class friends. Um, when he's not uh, taking his luxury helicopter rides and splashing about in his private pool, where might the Deputy Prime Minister recommend that he might befriend somebody from the working class? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I got the full extent of the question, uh, but the reality is um, we're doing, and you can see that with the energy price guarantee, uh, the free um, uh, childcare and the national living wage, that we are supporting everyone in this country, particularly those uh, on the lowest paid jobs. And the final question, Alicia Cairns. This week, Rutlander Andrew Osborne solo sailed 3,000 miles, taking 78 days across the Atlantic Ocean. He raised £142,000 for cardiac risk in the young after his daughter Amy died in her sleep, age 25, being discovered by her sister the next morning. One in 12 children die every week of undiagnosed heart conditions. So can my right honourable friend please reassure me what we are doing to increase the diagnosis of undiagnosed heart conditions in children and young people? Yeah, yeah. Prime Minister. Can I thank uh, my honourable friend for raising this? And uh, uh, our heartfelt condolences go to the family of Amy. Uh, but likewise, our congratulations go to Andrew on an incredible feat. Uh, the fact that 12 young people die every week from an undiagnosed heart condition is something we all want to see an end to. Uh, there's more resource going in, there's uh, more research going in, and I'll uh, arrange for a meeting between her and the relevant minister. Thank you. Uh, we will shortly move to the statement, uh, but I will pause briefly to allow a change of.